Okay, so 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 18. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they were not all of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you have received from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just that has been taught you, Abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. Would you pray with me? O Spirit of Christ, we pray now that our hearts would be humble before these words. God, I pray that you would give us... um, a special grace tonight, Lord, to understand these words from the Apostle John. Thank you, God, that you love us, that you care for us, and that, God, you desire to communicate through these words who you are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the letter of First John has been pretty interesting. Last week we talked about our relationship to the world as Christians. And something about that, as we mentioned, um, something that I really appreciated kind of just out of the study of that, is that John isn't saying that we have to hate good things in the world. Um, like watching your favorite baseball team win the World Series. It's something that we can thank God for. Having friendship and watching football with your family and looking at waterfalls. These are all things in the world that we can love and appreciate. And so John here, through the whole book, is giving us glimpse after glimpse and an issue after issue of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And really, he's giving us these things in order that if you are a Christian, you would have assurance in your faith that you truly have a relationship with God. Because here is the issue. Not everyone who says that they believe in God actually does. And worse yet, not all the God talkers, people who talk about God, are right. And so we talk about the book of 1 John in a way that we're having a conversation with him. He is trying to communicate to all of you, hey, you're a Christian, that's great, that's wonderful. Here are some things you need to know. You need to understand sin. You need to understand your relationship to the world. That's what we talked about last week. And tonight, I don't know if you kind of caught towards the end of this, the passage that we read, I know it's kind of long, but he uses this word over and over again. And it was the word Abide. He says, abide, abide. I think he uses the word seven times in just a a short amount of uh, verses there. And that's kind of a a unique word. I don't don't think we hear the word abide too much. I kind of like looked it up on 
dictionary.com abide pertaining to the rules. I don't maybe if your parents or your grandparents, like I'll take you to Chuck E. Cheese if you abide in my rules. I know it's kind of like I think I heard like my second grade teacher say, you better abide, you know. But it's this idea that you would remain, that you would stay connected, that you would follow and keep. And in fact, the term abide is actually a really important aspect of the life of a Christian. Because it's actually what Jesus talks about with his disciples. This idea of abiding, if you kind of, I, I have this, this illustration, but I realize every illustration is kind of broken and doesn't always make sense. But I have um, two lamps in my, my office because um, I just have these stale fluorescent lights and I have I have um with a skylight so it's kind of nice natural light but sometimes like it just seems like I'm at a doctor's office in my if I so I turn the lamps on right well it was of course a gray rainy day so it's kind of dark in my office because it rains here all the time if you didn't know that I'm just still bitter about the fact that it rains all the time but I turn on one of these lamps and it's like oh it doesn't work that's weird so I come over to the janitor's closet which happens to be in the men's restroom over here I grab a light bulb and uh, it's kind of weird, so I gotta take the thing off and unscrew it. I yeah, I throw it, whatever. Okay, uh, twist this new one on, okay? And then, um, sorry, it's weird, it's not working, okay? So I unscrew it and I kind of, maybe I screwed it wrong and, no, it's still not working. I'm looking at it like, I think this looks broken. Maybe it's got a bad light bulb, okay? So then I get another light bulb and I bring it back to my, to my lamp and it's still not working. So I'm like, I'm like taking it apart and all this stuff, and I'm, and I'm looking at like the little thing where you screw it in. I'm like, the I'm like wasting like 20 minutes looking at a lamp, okay? And of course, you know where this story is headed, right? That it wasn't plugged in. Yeah. That the lamp was fine the entire time. But in essence, I, I like that illustration because when it comes to our relationship with God, if you just track with me for a second, sometimes we spiritually try to just change the light bulb and mess with it and shake with it and hope that it works. And then we do all these special little gimmicks and tricks to have our relationship with God kind of grow. I remember when I was a kid, I would, um, there's this Jars of Clay song that I loved. And I, I, I felt really close to God when I would listen to this certain song. And so falling asleep as a kid, I, I'd put this song on repeat and fall asleep to it. And I would say, like, I only really feel close to God when, I, when I'm listening to this song and when the lights are off and I, I can just sit there and I can pray. And then it's almost like making it too complicated. Our, our, our walks with God, our, our, our staying connected to our Father, doesn't have to be this thing where we're changing light bulbs and doing all these different things. But as we'll see, this idea of abiding, Jesus uses the illustration of a vine. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And, you know, if, if you go up to like, um, like the summer, my wife and I attempted to have um, a little garden in our backyard, okay? I mean, this thing was humble in its origins. Like, I mean, we barely lived together and we threw some, some seeds in there. Like, the tomatoes died right away. Um, okay, that was a waste of $12, whatever, for the tomato plants. But the one thing that grew kind of well was the, the green beans, okay? And um, our kids just loved seeing things grow, and they would just go up to the green beans, rip them off, and then throwing them at each other, and all this stuff. And they weren't ready to eat, and you're like, 
Gosh, kids, right? Like, but what happens when you take it off its vine, off its root? It dies. It, it loses its nourishment. It loses its, its source, its connectedness. And so what John is saying here, this idea of abiding, is that we would be kind of plugged into God, that we would remain and, and have this, this nourishment and this life flowing with our relationship with God. And so this idea of abiding, what he is saying, needs to be something that we are mindful of. That maybe if you thought about your own relationship with God whether or not you have a relationship with God, are you connected to the source? Are, are you connected to Jesus? Is your, quote-unquote, lamp plugged in? And so the thing is, is that what does it really mean to abide in God, abide in Jesus, is that now as a Christian, every single moment is a moment where I can be hospitable to God. Whether I am making my breakfast, or I am in science class, or I am at church, or at youth group, wherever I am, every single moment, I am connected to God, and therefore I have an opportunity to love Him, and to serve Him, and to worship Him. And so, I I like to describe it at times as, as sometimes we have our relationship with God of what I call the limelight. It is things like this. Where we come and we're part of a program and we we hear someone give a message and we sing some really great songs and maybe we go on a a mission trip or we're part of a small group. And and those are the things that some people are pretty good at. Like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of used to like the programmatic coming to a church event and going on the trips. And then that's kind of what I'd say, like, we're, we're connected to God by coming to these things. But then there's also the part of being abiding in Jesus and being connected to God that is just our ordinary individual lives. When no one is around, are you connected to God? Are are you prayerful? Are you worshipful? Are, Are you doing your best to fall in love with the pages of Scripture? And what I would say is that sometimes a lot of us fall into one camp. Like, I don't need all that church stuff and youth group. Man, if it fits in my calendar, maybe I'll make it happen. But really, you know, church Sunday mornings, that's for football. And I, I can have my own relationship with God on my own, and I don't need that stuff. And then some of you, like, yeah, you know, I can come to youth group, and I'll go to church. But when it, when it comes to the Monday through Saturday, our relationship with God or our, our abiding in Him is shallow. It's weak. It's stagnant. We're not really connected to the source. And so the thing with what it really means to abide in Jesus is that every single moment in the ordinary days of our life that we would detect the blessings of God, that we would realize that every encounter I have with with another human is an opportunity to worship God, to love others, to serve God, And that's what John is getting at. Is that as a Christian, we would take every single moment of our lives and be connected to God, and that would transfer into a life that is conscious of the fact that we are now connected to our Savior Jesus. It's maybe a poor illustration again. I'm just full of poor illustrations tonight, right? But the Eye of Mordor in Lord of the Rings. Not that God is like some angry, vengeful eye looking at you, but 
But in one sense, we know that every moment of our life, we are supposed to be abiding in Jesus. And so that's what John is talking about a lot tonight. That every moment, whether we are in the limelight, whether we are here with Christians, or whether we are alone, that we would be hospitable to God, that we would welcome Him in. You know, something I've been really big about, this is a weird thing to be big about, but before I pray for a meal, I don't, I grew up, I, I just, this is the way I grew up, okay, where every meal you eat, you pray. And it, my, growing up, I mean, my dad was just this, this little one-liner, dear Jesus, thank you for this food, bless our bodies, amen. And we ate, right? Like, I'm just thinking like, dude, I'm hungry, I want my food. But I really began to see how eating a meal can be a spiritual thing. And so now with my, my little kids, and of course, like, they watch me and my wife pray. They just, they're eating, like, that's weird, what are you guys doing? Dinner time, you know? They just watch us pray. But I, but I begin to pray, like, God, I want to invite you into this meal with us. I want you to be here. I want you to be present in our conversation. God, I want this to be an act that pleases you. And again, that's a moment in which I am trying to abide in God. And why do we have to be so concerned about this idea of abiding or remaining in Jesus? Because what, what John is saying here is that the people that he's writing to, and the danger for us is that there are going to be confusing teachers and consuming relationships. Why do we need to have this moment-by-moment hospitality for God? It's because there are going to be people, what I call God-talkers, people who know some things about the Bible, some people who know about religion, and they're going to say some very confusing things. And in fact, they're going to say some things that are wrong. And what happens is that if we're not careful, and if we don't take the time to, to live in that moment-by-moment moment abiding in Jesus, we're going to suffer from relational pain, from what I would call doctrinal loss, that we would be just persuaded the wrong way. I mean, if you kind of look down at verse 28, he tells us why he's writing, and now little children abide in him, um, I write, wrong verse 26 actually I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you now again if you're not used to reading the Bible you kind of there's a few words that we read in this like antichrist and we, we, we think of this like if you ever like um, read like the left behind series like you're thinking of the antichrist as some dude with like horns and he talks in a deep voice and Oh, I'm going to get your kids. I don't... There's a lot of, it's a lot of things about this, I, the Antichrist, right? And when we read this, we also, we, we, we see some things about, oh, they want to deceive us, and they're going to take us for granted, and they're going to tell us all these weird philosophies. But in, in this context of pretty much what, what John is saying here is that we need to abide in Jesus because there's going to be confusing teachers and consuming relationships, what he is trying to say is there are going to be people in life in general who want to scam you. Let me give you an example of this. So I'll get an email and it'll be from some person who I probably haven't talked to in like three years. Like that's odd that Lena Pittman would email me. Even when I did know her, I don't think I ever got a personal email. And it says something about like, click here to get your free trip to Jamaica. And I think like, that seems really odd. 
I'm not going to open that email. And sure enough, like a day later or maybe a couple hours later, you get this, this email from this person. Hey, if you got an email from me that was not me, don't open the email. Right? Ever happened to you? It happens on Facebook all the time. For whatever reason, it's like the sunglasses. It's like someone, someone's Facebook account got hacked and they sent out the spam message like, you can get Ray-Ban sunglasses for $6.99. And you're kind of like, and you feel bad for the people who like actually think it's true. You're like, come on. No. But can, can we all agree though? Like that John is not being super narrow. He's not trying to be like all Christianly. He's just saying, hey, guess, guess what, guys? We live in a world in which there are people who are trying to scam us. There are going to be frauds. There are people who are trying to deceive you. And here's the thing. That happens a lot in financial things, you know? Like, you, you feel bad for um, these people who prey on old people, right? And they, they give away thousands of dollars, and they get scammed. But what John is saying here, there are those who are trying to deceive you, that, that there are people who talk about God who do the same thing. And you want to know something? Those words are very humbling. And they're humbling in this group. Do you know why? Because just because we say it, and just because we think it, or because we feel it, doesn't mean that it's true. All the people who talk about God and, and say this, and you know, every once in a while, like you're, you're like flip through the channels and you get through some like weird preacher, and they're saying all these things, and you're kind of like, uh, it sounds like they're saying some good things, but they're also saying some, some weird things, and then you have some weird crazy uncle who has all his views, and then you, and you have experiences where me, I, I'm teaching him from the Bible, and what John is saying is like, listen, just because someone is talking about God doesn't mean that they're right. In fact, there are people out there who are trying to, to scam you. They're, they're trying to defraud you. They're, they're trying to get you to believe something that is not right. And we need to be concerned about that. And we need to worry about that. You know, there's a, there's a friend of mine who gave me this book once. And the whole book was about a guy who was an um, itinerant preacher. Which means he just goes from place to place to place talking about Jesus. But the whole story was that he didn't believe any of it. He wasn't actually a Christian. And he would talk about all these different things and techniques that he would get people to accept Jesus. And the book was super fascinating because what he was getting at is that people are just so gullible and they'll believe anything. And you say it this way and that way. And he is one of the people who John would say, like, there are people who talk about God who are trying to defraud you. And so what does it mean to remain in God? What does it mean to abide in Jesus? It's to be confident of the message that you have received. Sometimes, in our broken lamp, in our opportunity to to abide in Jesus, we are looking for anything that makes the light flicker a little bit. Which means that we are prone to believe anything that we hear. You know, there's, there's a certain sect or, you know, different religion. They were at the library the other day. And, um, you know, it's hard for me as a pastor, as a Christian pastor, who, who's very knowledgeable of, of my faith and what I believe. Um, I'm not looking to get in debate with you. But, you know, you write this very interesting question on the board to get people to come in this room so you can, 
You know, and, and all they did was get their Bible. Well, the Bible says this. Well, the Bible says this. Well, the Bible says this. It's like, like, I'm sitting here talking to you for like 10 minutes, and you didn't even ask me what my name was. All you wanted was to tell me what your Bible says. And I, I just, I just, I, I think about these situations, and, and I just think like, we need to be aware and conscious that sometimes they're going to be confusing teachers. But being connected to God and remaining at the source means what Paul, what John says here in verse 18. That as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. And that, that word can spook you a little bit, but really, if you just think about it, he's saying that there are people who are God talkers who are against or who are opposed to Jesus. They say things that are contrary to what we believe about Jesus. And he goes on to talk about how they went out from us, but they were not of us. Remember I was um, like the third grade, and my, a bunch of boys in my neighborhood, we like, made a fort, and we had a club. I forget the name we had, but we had a bunch of rules and all this stuff. And you had to bring your favorite snack, and you had to share. And then you had to work on the fort for 30 minutes a day. And it just meant mostly digging holes and, you know, <laughs> making booby traps for when the girls tried to come into our fort and all this Damn, different stuff. Bro. But um, a faction arose in the, in the club. And these other guys, um, these other guys said, hey, we're going to start our own fort. And there's going to be 10 of us, good little crowd. My older brother is part of this. And they took three of them, and then those three would try to solicit others to join their club. And then we were like, no, man, like, this, is the, this is the original, this is the best, you got to stay in our little club, you know? And, and we're like declaring fake war with them and all this stuff, and um, I don't know, it was crazy. But, but when, I, when I heard about these, the first time someone like the leader, the captain, or whatever, the president, CEO, these three guys left us, I was like so hurt. They left? They did what? Like we, like, we cut blood. And I don't think we did that or anything. But I was so mad. And here's the thing. John is saying, hey, listen, like, these God talkers, these people, they, they left our group. And that's kind of a hard thing. Now, what I, what I don't think he's talking about is, you know, they kind of didn't like this church, and so that they went to that church. And, you know, maybe if you went to another youth group in town, you might see someone who used to come to this youth group. And maybe you went to a different youth group, and then you come to this youth group. And, you know, so, sometimes that could be hard, too. But that, that's not what John is talking about. You know, if we all believe in Christ, that's great, and we're going to see each other in heaven, no matter what church we go to. But what he's talking about here, and this is a delicate issue... So people who are with you for years, who talk to you about God, and not, not only do they not just want to leave your church for different churches, they, they left the faith altogether. They said, I don't, I don't want your God anymore. And for years and years and years, you had a relationship with this person, and then they said, I, I don't even need God at all. I don't need the blood of Jesus for anything in my life. I have no concern for God whatsoever. And that is what I call relational loss, relational pain. And I, I'm not going to drill this in too much, but I clearly I think that issue is a little sensitive to people in this room. Um, the guy before me, the youth pastor, um, in essence did that. He talked a lot about God. 
He said a lot of great things. But yet, he, he's one of these people who say, I, I, I don't want your God anymore. I don't, I don't need Jesus. And yet, we pray for repentance and we pray that the Spirit of God would awaken his heart. But one of the things that, that John is getting at, why we need to remain in Jesus, why we need to abide in him, is because of this happens. That people would be part of our group, that they would talk a lot about God, yet they would walk away and say that they, they don't want this at all. And John says, and ultimately, it shows that they never really were of that community. They never really belonged. Relational pain, I, I think, is some of the most difficult pain. I was, I was listening to this podcast a few days ago, and this, this guy was talking about the millennial generation, which, if you didn't know, it's my generation. And he said there's this, there's this new trend called ghosting someone. And which you would more or less date someone for six to eight months. And then when you decided that you didn't want to date them anymore, you just ignored them. You wouldn't respond to their phone calls or their text messages. You blocked them on social media. And you would avoid them altogether. And for the person who they're doing that to, like, it's great, it's fine. You know, just out of sight, out of mind. I hate confrontation. None of that. But to the person who it happens to, they say psychologically, it's on par with death. That, that, that is the amount of hurt that, that we do to each other. They call it ghosting. Like, I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, in, in my journey of, of being a Christian, there are a number of people who, if I were to see them in the grocery store, would turn around and walk the other way. In which I would add, like, I, I've done nothing but showing love and intentionality towards you. And the, the, the reason why John is so concerned about abide in Jesus, abide in Him. Little children, I write to you that you would abide in Him. It's because there are people who get confused and they walk away. And it causes relational pain. Abide in Jesus. And the second thing that happens is, is what I call doctrinal denial. And there's a lot of things happening here. And he says, I write... To you, not because you do not know the truth. He's affirming, like, no, you do know the truth. But who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. And there's a lot of discussion about what really people were saying back then. But kind of like the weird thought of the day was is that, that the Messiah was the spirit who lived in heaven. And when the baby, the man Jesus was born, the Messiah spirit came and he kind of, you know, went into this little baby. And for 33 years, the Messiah spoke and prophesied and did all these miracles through this person, Jesus. And right before Jesus died on the cross, the Messiah kind of left this Jesus. And that's why Jesus kind of got left on the cross and died there limp. And they would say like, hey, we really, we, we don't need Jesus and the whole death and resurrection and stuff like that. You know, we really need to find this secret knowledge of how to know this Messiah, Jesus, who, this Messiah, Christ, who wasn't Jesus, but now isn't anymore. And what they're doing is, is they're denying the essential truths about who Jesus is. Now, let me be very clear. I spent a lot of time this week talking about, thinking about how do I explain to high schoolers doctrine and theology in a way that is important? Because here's the temptation for me. When someone starts talking about doctrine and key beliefs that we need to have as Christians and theology, and you might think, what even is that word? Just the study of God. Why do we need to know this stuff? That's what like, pastors do. You guys read all those books. I don't need to know anything. But let me, let me say it in a different way. 
In essence, these people are saying all these weird things about Jesus. And John wants you to abide in Jesus. And we don't look at Jesus like he's just like my homeboy or my friend or Jesus gives me good feelings. Jesus is he's personal, intimate. Let me ask you a question. If you're in a room with someone and they began to slander one of your loved ones, like your mom, like if I was in a room with someone and they began to just sit there and say wrong and misleading things and bad things about my wife, would you or would I just say, hey, that's a, you can say whatever you want about them. I don't, I don't mind. You, no, you can, whatever you want to say about that person, go for it. That's, yeah, I know it's my wife and all, but, but feel free. Talk, with, talk whatever you want. Slander them all you want. But if that was really happening, what would our reaction be? I think we would do a lot of what it looks like to abide. We would stick up for that person. Say, no, that's not true. That's not right about that person, what you're saying. Some of you might, you know, especially if it's my wife, you know, no, there's going to be some words here, pal. <laughs> it might get sinful. Real quick, especially. Talk about my kids and I might lose my job. No, I'm kidding. But here's the thing. A lot of times when we talk about doctrine, it's about saying, you're wrong, and it's splitting hairs, and it's all about this. But, but what if we understood doctrine and right understanding about who Jesus is as a sign of love? That we don't want people to slander the name of Jesus. That we care about believing the right things about, about Jesus and about God in general because we love him. Because it's beautiful. You know, we, we study theology, and here's, here's my little plug to you as a, as a high schooler. Read theology, learn to care about your faith, because in essence it shows your heart for God. If you are trying to find a spouse one day, and you want to get to know that person, you ask questions, you think, you, get, you spend time with them. And in the very same way, why is John here talking about all these things about the Antichrist and no one denies the Son as the Father? Because he's saying, I'm not going to let anyone slander Jesus. Having the right truth about Jesus is important because it shows our love for him. And so we don't think about theology and doctrine in a way that is boring and stale, but if you have in the past thought like doctrine and theology, oh... Maybe it's because you've never thought it in this way. That knowing right doctrine is, is a way that I can love Jesus and is a way in which we can abide in Him. So here's the question. How do we abide in Jesus? I apologize if, if I didn't spend as much time explaining what some of these things are. It's, it's a lot there. But, but really, John, John is hitting home at we need to abide in Jesus because there are going to be people who are going to say confusing things. It's going to lead to relational pain. There's going to be consuming relationships. There are a lot of God talkers out there. We need to have right doctrine because it shows our love for God. But how do we, how do we ultimately abide in Jesus? How do we have right theology and right doctrine? And let, me, let me share this with you. This book right here, Pretty plain Bible. I, I, I typically preach from a, a little cheap. This thing is like a dollar or something. Cheap paperback Bible. When I study, I have this nice leather-bound one. But um, this book right here is not really magical. Reminds me of Harry Potter. He's reading his textbooks. And those books actually were magical. And things would come out of the pages and stuff like that. 
But, but this book, you know, as, as Christians we say the Bible is um, inspired by God. But really, uh, apart from that, this book doesn't, it's not going to have some magical senses. It's not going to give you some supernatural abilities. Really, if you just look at it, it's just words on a page. It's just words on a page. But if you look down really quick, verse 28, And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him at Shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born again. This book right here is a lot like a flashlight. Okay, again, poor illustration, but I'm going to go for it anyways, okay? What do you need to operate a flashlight to make it work? Batteries. Batteries, okay? So, in essence... Think about the Bible in terms of it being like a flashlight. But you don't have batteries. John seems to think that the anointing that you receive from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But at his, as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as has taught you abide in him. What he is saying, and that's kind of a confusing section, but let me try to illustrate it in a way, that this book has no real special thing. But it is the spirit that gives us the batteries, in essence, to be able to operate this book and to be able to know it. You see, that that illustration falls apart because in ways, the spirit is the one who chooses when the power can come. Now, I'm not, I'm not getting mystical on you. I promise. Just track with me for a second. This book will have no power in your life unless you experience this anointing that he's talking about. And that is the Spirit of God within you. This book will be as plain and as ordinary and as boring as any other thing that you would read. It maybe has some historical value to you. But unless you have the absolute power and the ability to abide in Jesus, these words will mean nothing. So how do we abide in Jesus? It's by coming to these very words by His Spirit in order that we can know what God is teaching us. You see, when we come here, I try to do my very best job at trying to show you that what I talk about is not from me. I am not trying to make things up. I'm not trying to tell you what I think. I am doing my absolute best job to show you what Scripture is teaching. Because when we come to a Bible study, when we come to youth group or to church, or if you meet with other people to talk about the Bible, we are abiding in Him because we do not make things up. We receive God's grace through these words. I just I, I, I pause for a moment because I just wonder, when I think of all of you, what your relationship is to these words. What is your relationship to God's word? You know, something I, I say a lot here is that as Christians, we are committed to doing small, mostly overlooked things over a long period of time. In essence, God has given us very ordinary things to help us grow and to abide in Jesus. He has given us each other. 
He has given us the wonderful privilege of prayer. And He has given us His Word. And that's what John is saying. We have to receive this message that we've heard from the beginning. The Gospel about Jesus. And here is the great thing about Jesus. Is that right now the invitation is open for all people to have a relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. You see, I don't know if you caught that. And now, little children, abide in Him in order to, or so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. This whole idea of like the last day and when Jesus is coming. What John is saying that any time after Jesus' death and resurrection to when He comes back again is the last day. We are in the last days. We are in the last hour. And He's saying we have the ability... And when Jesus comes to judge, that we won't shrink away. You know, I, I think of this war movie. And the, the guy has his gun and he's about to fire. And the guy turns away. Again, maybe not the perfect illustration, but here's the thing we believe. That Jesus one day will come. And he will judge all people. But abiding in Jesus, being connected to him through our faith, by looking at his life, death, and resurrection as something that we need, and something that we grab onto, it allows us to be confident. So we, how do we abide? We abide by, by, by receiving this message, by doing this as a community. By growing in ordinary, unspectacular ways. Because we know that out there, there are people who say a lot of things that are confusing. Because there are a lot of people who live lives that lead to just poor relational loss. And John wants us to have the ability that when Jesus comes, we can have confidence. And so how do we do that? We abide in Him. We remain in Him. We stay connected to God. This is the last thing I promise. Far be from me that I would advocate attendance at youth group just because. I don't make a big deal about coming to youth group or coming to events or coming to trips because I just think, like, I need something to do. But what if in these very moments on Sunday nights or Sunday mornings or going on retreats or a mission trip with us, that in those times, that is where we can lean into our relationship with Christ and abide in Him. Do you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray the Spirit of Christ would bind our wandering hearts. Jesus, we thank you and we adore you. We give you all the praise and glory. We ask, Lord that we'd be mindful of those who, who say a lot of things, who try to deceive us. God, and I pray that our solution to that would be by remaining in your word, by cherishing the words of scripture, by knowing that the anointing that we have from the spirit, we can have the confidence that we have put our faith in Jesus. God, I pray that you bless these students with faith in Christ. Bless these students with a love and a zeal for your word. Bless these students, God, with a, a heart that loves their neighbor well. 
God, we desire to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And we pray this in the wonderful, the precious, and the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.
for one quick minute. Um, just a couple of announcements. 